Hello, my name is Isaac, and today I will be reading Percy Jackson and the Last Olympian, Chapter 3. I get a sneak peek at my death. If you want to be popular at Camp Half-Blood, don't come back from a mission with bad news. Word of arrival spread as soon as I walked down out of the ocean. Our beach is on the north shore of Long Island, and it's enchanted, so most people can't even see it. People don't just appear on the beach unless they're demigods, or gods, really. Or really, really, really lost pizza delivery guys. It's happened, but that's another story. Anyway, that afternoon, the lookout on duty was Connor Stoll from Hermes Cabin. When he spotted me, he got so excited he fell out of his tree. Then he blew the conch horn to signal the camp to get and ran to greet me. Connor had a crooked smile that matched his crooked sense of humor. He's a pretty nice guy. But you should always keep one hand on your wallet in case he's around, and do not, under any circumstances, give him access to serving cream, unless you want to find your sleeping bag full of it. He's got curly brown hair, and is a little shorter than his brother Travis, which is the only way I can tell them apart. They're both so unlike my old enemy, Luke, it's hard to believe they're they're all sons of Hermes. Percy! he yelled. What happened? Where's Beckendorf? And he saw my expression. And his smile melted. Oh no. Poor Selena. Holy Zeus, when she finds out... Together we climbed the sand dunes. A few hundred meters away, people were starting... We were already streaming towards us, smiling and excited. Percy's back, they were probably thinking. He saved the day, maybe he brought souvenirs. I stopped at the dining pavilion and waited for them. No sense rushing down there and telling them what a loser I was. I gazed back across the valley and tried to remember how Camp Half-Blood looked the first time I saw it. That seemed like a bajillion years ago. From the dining pavilion, you could see pretty much everything. Hills ringed the valley. On the tallest Half-Blood Hill, Thalia's pine tree stood with the golden fleece hanging from its branches. Uh, Magically protected the camp from its enemies. The guard dragon... Helios was so big, now I could see him from here, curled around the tree trunk, sending up smoke signals as he snored. To my right spread the woods. To my left, the canoe glittered, and the climbing wall glowed from the lava pouring down its side. Twelve cabins, one for each Olympian god, made a horseshoe pattern from the from around the commons area. Farther south, further south, were the strawberry fields, the armory. And the four-story big house, with its sky-blue paint job, and its bronze eagle weatherings, weather vane. In some ways, the camp hadn't changed, but you can see um, the the war by looking at the buildings of the fields. You could see it in the faces of the demigods and seers and naiads coming up the hill. There's, there weren't as many at camp as four summers ago. Some had left and never come back. Some died fighting. Others, we try not to talk about them, had gone over to the enemy. The ones who were still here were battle-hardened and wary. There was little laughter at camp these days. Even the Hermes cabin didn't play too many pranks. It's hard to enjoy practical jokes when your life feels like one. Kyron galloped into the pavilion first, which was easy for him since he's a white stallion from the waist down. His beard had grown wilder over the summer. He wore a green t-shirt that said, My other car is a centaur. 
and a bow slung over his back. Percy, he said, thanks the gods, but where? Anbeth ran in right behind him, and I'll admit, my heart did a little relay race in my chest when I saw her. It's not that she tried to look good. We'd been doing so many combat missions lately, she hardly brushed her curly blonde hair anymore, and she didn't care what clothes she was wearing, usually the same old orange camp shirt and jeans, and once in a while, bronze armor. Her eyes were wary storm gray. Most of the time, we couldn't get through a conversation without trying to strangle each other. Still, just seeing her made me feel fuzzy in the head. Last time, last summer, before Luke had turned into Kronos, and I thought maybe, well, we might get past the strangle each other phase. What happened? She grabbed my arm. Is Luke? The ship blew up, I said. He wasn't destroyed. I don't know where. Selena Bordegard pushed through the crowd. Her hair wasn't combed and she wasn't wearing makeup, which wasn't like her. Where's Charlie? She demanded, looking around like he might be hiding. I glanced at Chiron helplessly. The old centaur cleared his throat. Selena, my dear, let's not talk about it. Let's talk about this at the big house. No, she muttered. No, no. He started to cry, and the rest of us stood around, too stunned to speak. We'd already lost so many people over the summer, but this was the worst. Worst. With Beckendorf gone, it felt like someone had stolen an an the anchor from the entire camp. Finally, Clarice from the Ares cabin came forward. She put her arm around Selena. They had one of the strangest friendships ever. A daughter of the war god and a daughter of the love goddess. But since Selena had given Clarice um, uh, advice last summer about her boyfriend, Clarice had decided that, Selena, that she was Selena's personal bodyguard. Clarice was dressed in blood-red combat armor, her brown hair tucked into a bandana. She was big and beefy as a rugby player, with a permanent scowl on her face, but she spoke gently to Selena. Come on, girl, she said. Let's get you to the big house. I'll make you some hot chocolate. Everyone turned and wandered off in tours or threes, heading back into the cabins. Nobody was excited to see me now. Nobody wanted to hear about the blown-up ship. Only Annabeth and Chiron stayed behind. Annabeth wiped a tear from her cheek. I'm glad you're not dead, seaweed brain. Thanks, I said. Me too. Chiron put a hand on my shoulder. I'm sure you did with everything everything you could, Percy. You, will you tell us what happened? I didn't want to go through it again, but I told them the story, including the dream about the Titans. I left out the detail about Nico. Nico had made me promise not to tell anybody about his plans until I made up my mind, and the plan was so scary, I didn't mind keeping it a secret. Chiron gazed down at the valley. We must call a war council immediately to discuss this spy and other matters. Beside mentioned another threat, I said, something even bigger than the Princess Andromeda. I thought it might be the, that challenge the Titan mentioned in my dream. Chiron and Annabeth exchanged looks, like they knew I something I didn't. I hated it when they did that. We will discuss that also, Chiron promised. One more thing. I took a deep breath. Then we talked. When I talked to my father, he said, It's time you tell me. I need to know the full prophecy. Chiron's shoulders sagged, but he didn't look surprised. I've dreaded this day. Very well, Annabeth. We will show Percy the truth. All of it. Let's go to the attic. A ladder led up from the top to the staircase. I wondered how Chiron was going to get up there, being half-horse and all, but he didn't try. You know where it is, he told Annabeth. Bring it down, please. 
Annabeth nodded. Come on, Percy. The sun was setting outside, so the attic was even darker and creepier than usual. Old hero prophecies were stacked everywhere. Dented shields, pick pickled heads in jars from various monsters, a pair of fuzzy dice and a bronze plaque that read, Stolen from Kairosaurus Honda Civic by Gus, son of Hermes, 1988. I picked up a curved bronze sword so badly bent it looked like the letter M. I could see little green stains on the metal from the magical poison they used to cover it. The tag was dated last summer. It read, Skimtar of Kampe destroyed in the Battle of the Labyrinth. You remember Briars throwing those baldurs? I asked. Annabeth gave me a grudging smile. In Grover causing a panic? We locked eyes. I thought it was a I thought of a different time last summer. Under Mount St. Helens when Annabeth had thought I was gonna die and she kissed me. I cleared my throat and looked away. Prophecy. Right. She put down the scimitar. Prophecy. We walked over to the window. One three legged on a three legged stool sat the oracle, a shriveled female mummy in a tie-dyed dress. Tufts of black hair clung to her skull. Glassy eyes stared out of her leathery face. Just looking at her made my skin crawl. If you wanted to leave camp during the summer, it used to be you had to come here to get a quest. This summer, that rule had been tossed. Campers left all the time on combat missions. We had no choice if we wanted to stop Kronos. Still, I remembered too well the strange green mist, the spirit of the oracle that lived inside the mummy. She looked lifeless now, but whenever she spoke a prophecy, she a prophecy she moved. Sometimes fog gushed out of her mouth and created strange shapes. Once she had even left the attic and taken a little zombie stroll into the woods to deliver a message. I wasn't sure um, what she'd do for the great prophecy. I have expected her to start tap dancing or something. But she just sat there like she was dead, which she was. I never understood this, I whispered. What? Annabeth asked. Why it's a mummy? Percy, she wasn't always a mummy. For thousands of years, the spirit of Oracle lived inside a beautiful maiden. The spirit would be passed on from generation to generation. Karen told me, Karen told me she was like that 50 years ago. And pointed at, Annabeth pointed at the mummy. But she was the last. What happened? Annabeth started to say something, then apparently changed her mind. Let's just do our job and get out of here. I looked nervously at the oracle's withered face. So what now? Annabeth approached the mummy and held out her palms. Oh, oracle, the time is at hand. I ask for the great prophecy. I braced myself, but the mummy didn't move. Instead, Annabeth approached the un... Collapsed one of her and unclapsed one of its necklaces. I never paid much attention to the jewelry before. I figured it was just hippie love beads and stuff. But when Annabeth turned towards me, she was holding a leather pouch, like a Native American medicine pouch. On a cord braided with feathers, she opened the bag and took out a roll of parchment no bigger than her pinky. No way, I said. You mean all these years I've been asking about this stupid prophecy and it's been right there around her neck? The time wasn't right, Annabeth said. Believe me, Percy. I read this I read this when I was ten years old, and I still have nightmares about it. Great, I said. Can I read it now? Downstairs at the war council, Annabeth said. Not in front of you know. I looked at the glassy eyes of the Oracle, and I decided not to argue. 
We headed downstairs to join the others. I didn't know it then, but it would be the last time I ever visited the attic. The senior counselors had gathered around the ping-pong table. Don't ask me why, but the rec room had become the camp's informal headquarters for war councils. When Annabeth, Kyron, and I came through, though, it looked more like a, sh a shouting match. Clarice was still in full battle gear. Her electric spear was strapped to her back. Actually, her second electric spear, since I'd broken the first one. She called it Mamer. Behind her back, everybody else called it Lamer. She had her boar-shaped helmet under one arm and a knife at her belt. She was in midst of yelling at Michael Yu, the new head counselor for Apollo, which looked kind of funny since Clarice was so much taller. Michael had taken the spot of the, over the Apollo cabin after Lee Fletcher died in battle last summer. Michael stood a little over a meter tall with another half meter of attitude. He reminded me of a ferret with a pointy nose and scratched up features, either because he scowled so much or because he spent too much time looking down the shaft of an arrow. It's our loot, he yelled, standing on his tiptoes so he could get in Clarice's face. If you don't like it, you can kiss my quiver. Around the table, people were trying not to laugh. The Stoll brothers, Pollux from the Dionysus cabin, Katie Gardner from the Dean Eater, even Jake Mason, the hastily appointed new counselor for Hephaestus, managed a faint smile. Once, only Selena Bodegard didn't pay any attention. She sat beside Clarice and stared vanquily at the ping-pong table net. Her eyes were red and puffy. A cup of hot chocolate sat untouched in front of her. It seemed unfair that she had to be here. I couldn't believe Clarice and Michael standing over her, arguing about something as stupid as loot when she just lost Beckendorf. Stop it! I yelled. What are you guys doing? Clarice glowered at me. Tell Michael not to be a selfish jerk. Well, that's perfect coming from you, Michael said. The only reason I'm here is to support Selena, Clarice shouted. Otherwise, I'd be back in my cabin. What are you talking about? I demanded. Pollux cleared his throat. Clarice has refused to speak to any of us, sir. Until her, um, issue is resolved. She hasn't spoken for three days. It's been wonderful, Travis Stoll said wistfully. What issue, I asked. Clarice turned to Chiron. You're in charge, right? Does my cabin get what we want or not? Chiron shuffled his hooves. My dear, as I already explained, Michael is correct. Apollo's cabin has the best claim. Besides, we have more important matters. Sure, Clarice snapped. Always more important matters than when, than what our Ares needs. We're just supposed to show up and fight when you need us and not complain. That would be nice, Connor still muttered. Clarice gripped her knife. Maybe I should ask Mr. D. As you know, Chiron interrupted, his tone slightly angry now. Our director Dionysus is busy with the war. He cannot be bothered with this. I see, Clarice said. And the senior, senior counselors, are any of you going to side with me? Nobody was smiling now. None of them met Clarice's eyes. Fine. Clarice turned to Selena. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get into you, to get into this when you've lost. Anyways, I apologize to you. Nobody else. Selena didn't seem to register her words. Clarice threw her knife at, on the ping pong table. All of you can fight this war without Ares. Until I get satisfaction, no one in my cabin is lifting a finger to help. Have fun dying. The counselors were all too stunned to say anything as Clarice stormed out of the room. Finally, Michael Yu said, Good riddance. Are you kidding? Katie Gardner protested. This is a disaster. She can't be serious, Travis said, can she? Karen sighed. 
Her pride has been wounded. She'll calm down eventually. But he didn't sound convinced. They wanted to ask what the heck Clarice was so mad about. But I looked at Annabeth and she mouthed what a couple of words. I'll tell you later. Now, Karen continued, if you please, senior counselors, Percy has brought something I think you should hear. Percy, the great prophecy. Annabeth handed me the parchment. It felt dry and old, and my fingers fumbled with the string. I uncurled the paper, trying not to rip it, and began to read. A half-blood of the eldest dogs. Er, Percy? Annabeth said. That's gods, not dogs. Oh, right, I said. Being dyslexic is one mark of a demigod, but sometimes I really hate it. The more nervous I am, the worse my reading gets. A half-blood of the eldest gods shall reach sixteen against all odds. I hesitated, staring at the next lines. A cold feeling started in my finger, as if the paper were freezing. And see the world in endless sleep, the hero's soul, cursed blade, shall reap. Suddenly, Riptide seemed heavier in my pocket. A curse, blade. Was it possible that my own sword would get me killed? Kind ones told me Riptide had brought many people sorrow. And... How could the world fall into endless sleep? Unless that meant death. Percy, Chiron urged, read the rest. My mouth felt like it was full of sand, but I spoke the last two lines. One choice shall shall end his days. Olympus to per, pursue, preserve. Annabeth said gently, it means save. I know what it means, I grumbled. Olympus to preserve or raise. The room was silent. Finally, Connor Stoll said, Raise is good, isn't it? Not raise, Selena said. Her voice was hollow. But I was startled to hear her speak at all. R-A-Z-Z-E means destroy, obliterate, Annabeth said, annihilate, turn to rubble. Got it. My heart felt like lead. Thanks. Everybody was looking at me, with concern or pity or maybe just a little fear. Karen closed his eyes as, he, as if he were saying a prayer. In horse form, his head almost brushed the lights of the rec room. You see now, Percy, why we thought it best not to tell you the whole prophecy. You've had enough on your shoulders. Without realizing I was going to die anyway? I said it. I said, yeah, I get it. Karen gazed at me sadly. The guy was 3,000 years old. He'd seen hundreds of heroes die. He might not like it, but he was used to it. He probably knew better than to try reassuring me. Percy? Annabeth said. You know prophecies always have double meanings. It might not literally mean die. Sure, I said. A single choice shall end his days. That has tons of meanings, right? Maybe we can stop it, Jake Mason offered. The hero's soul crushed, cursed blade shall reap. Maybe we could find this cursed blade and destroy it. Sound like Kronos' scythe, right? I hadn't thought about that, but it didn't matter if the cursed blade was Riptide or Kronos' scythe. Either way, I doubted we could stop the prophecy. A blade was supposed to reap my soul. As a general rule, I preferred not to have my soul reaped. Per perhaps we should let Percy think about these lines, Chiron said. He needs time. No. I folded up the prophecy and shoved it in my pocket. I felt defiant and angry. Defiant and angry. I wasn't sure who was angry with. 
I don't need time. If I die, I die. I can't worry about that, alright? Annabeth's hands were shaking a little. She wouldn't meet my eyes. Let's move on, I said. We've got other problems. We've got a spy. Michael, you scowled. A spy? I told him what had happened on the Princess Andromeda. How Kronos had known we were coming. How he'd shown me the silver scythe pendant he'd used to communicate with someone at camp. Selena started to cry again, and Annabeth put her arms around her shoulders. Well, Connor Stoll said uncomfortably, we've suspected there might be a spy for years, right? Somebody kept passing information to Luke, like the location of the Golden Fleece a couple years ago. It must be somebody who knew him well. He glanced at Annabeth. She'd known Luke better than anyone. Of course. But Connor looked away quickly. Um, I mean, it could be anybody. Yes, Katie Gardner frowned at the Stoll brothers. She disliked them ever since they decorated the grass roof of the Demeter cabin with chocolate. Easter bunnies. Like one of Luke's siblings. Travis and Connor both started arguing with her. Stop! Lena banged the table so hard her hot chocolate spilled. Charlie is dead. And you're all arguing like little kids. She put her head down and began to sob. Hot chocolate trickled off the ping-pong table. Everybody looked ashamed. She's right, Pollock said at last. Accusing each other doesn't help. We need to keep our eyes open for a silver necklace with a scythe charm. If Colonel's had one, the spy probably does too. Michael Yu grunted. We need to find this spy before we plan our next operation. Blowing up the Princess Andromeda won't stop Cronus forever. No, indeed, Chiron said. In fact, his next assault is already on the way. I scowled, you mean... I scowled. You mean the bigger threat Poseidon mentioned? He and Annabeth looked at each other, like, it's time. It's time. Did I mention I hate it when they do that? Percy, Chiron said. We didn't want to tell you until you returned to camp. You needed a break with your mortal friends. Annabeth blushed, telling me she knew I'd been hanging out with Rachel. I felt guilty. Then I felt angry that I felt guilty. I was allowed to have mortal. Fr I was allowed to have friends outside camp, right? It wasn't like. Tell me what's happened. I said. Karen picked up a bronze goblet from the snack table. He tossed water onto the hot plate where he usually melted nacho cheese. Steam billowed up, making a rainbow on the fluorescent lights. Kyron fished a golden drachma out of his pouch, tossed it through the mist, and muttered, Oh, Iris, goddess of the rainbow, show us the threat. The mist shimmered. I saw the, I saw the familiar image of a smoldering volcano, Mount St. Helens. As I watched, the side of the mountain exploded. Fire, ash, and lava rolled out. A newscaster's voice was saying, even larger than last year's eruption, and geologists warned that the mountain may not be done. Oh, I knew about, I knew all about last year's eruption. I'd caused it, but this explosion was much worse. The mountain tore itself apart, collapsing inward, and an enormous form rose out of the smoke and lava like it was emerging from a manhole covered. I opened the mist, I hoped the mist would keep the humans from seeing it clearly, because what I saw would have caused panic and riots across the entire United States. The giant was bigger than anything I'd ever encountered. Even my demigod eyes couldn't make out its exact form through the ash and fire. But it was vaguely humanoid and so huge it could have used the Chrysler building as a baseball hat. The mountain shook with a horrible rumbling as if the monster were laughing. It's him, I said. 
Typhon. I was seriously hoping Chiron would say something like, something good like, no, that's a huge French Leroy. He's gonna help us. But no such luck. He simply nodded. The most horrible monster of all. All the biggest single threat to the god, the biggest single threat the gods have ever faced. He was, he had been freed under the mountains at last. But this scene was from two days ago. Here is what happen, is happening today. Karen waved his hand and in, the image changed. I saw a bank of storm clouds rolling across the Midwest plains. Lightning flickered. Lines of tornadoes destroyed everything in their path. Ripping up houses and trailers, tossing cars around like the match, like matchbox, matchbox toys. Monumental floods, an announcement, announcer was saying. Five states declared disaster areas as the freak storm sweeps east, continuing its path of destruction. The camera zoomed in on a column of storm, bearing down on some Midwest city. I couldn't tell which one. Inside the storm, I could see the giant. Just small glimpses of its true form. A smoky arm. A dark, clawed hand the size of a city block. One smaller form darted through the clouds, circling the monster. I saw flashes of light, and I realized the giant was trying to swat them. I squinted, and thought I saw a golden chariot uh, flying into the darkness. Then some kind of huge bird, a monstrous owl, dived into the into attack the giant. Are those the gods? I says. I said. Yes, Percy, Karen said. They've been fighting him for days now, trying to slow him down. The Typhon is marching forwards, towards New York, towards Olympus. I let that sink in. How long until he gets here? Unless the gods can stop him? Perhaps five days. Most of the Olympians are there, except your father, who has a war of his own to fight. But then who's guarding Olympus? Connor Stoll shook his head. If Typhon uh, gets to New York... It won't matter who's guarding Olympus. I thought about Kronos' words on the ship. I would love to see your terror in your eyes when you realized how we will be destroying, destroying Olympus. Was it this what he was talking about? An attack by Typhon? It sure was terrifying enough, but Kronos was always fooling us, misdirecting our attention. This seemed too obvious for him. In my dream, Golden Titan talked about several more challenges to come, like Typhon was only the first. It's a trick, I said. We have to warn the gods. Something else is going to happen. Chiron looked at me gravely. Something worse than Typhon? I hope not. We have to defend Olympus, I insisted. Kronos has another attack planned. He did, Travis Stoll reminded me. But you sank his ship. Everyone was looking at me. He wanted some good news. He wanted to believe that at least I'd given them a little bit of hope. I glanced at Annabeth. I could tell we were thinking the same thing. What if the Princess Andromeda was a ploy? What if Kronos let us blow up that ship so we'd lower our guard? I wasn't going to say that in front of Selina. Selina, her boyfriend had sacrificed himself for that mission. Maybe you're right, I said, though I didn't believe a word of it. I tried to imagine how things could get much worse. The gods were in the Midwest fighting a huge monster that had almost defeated them once before. Poseidon was under siege and losing a war against the sea titan Oceanius. Kronos was still out there somewhere. Olympus was virtually undefended. The demigods of Camp Half-Flood were on our own with a spy in our midst. Oh, and according to the ancient prophecy, I was going to die when I turned 16, which happened to be in five days, the exact same time Typhon was supposed to hit New York. Almost forgot that. Well, Chiron said, 
I think that's enough for one night. He waved his hand, and the steam dissipated. The stormy battle of Typhon and the Ghosts among gods disappeared. That's an understatement, I muttered, and the war council adjourned. And that was the end of uh, chapter three. I hope you guys had a good time listening to me read this chapter and that it actually pieced together well because um, I'm recording this piece first because um, Podbean is really, really weird. You try to piece together two episodes, um, like the earlier one goes last for some reason. So I'm recording the last, what, like seven pages first. Um, Yeah. Also, I'm starting school in two days from, as of me, recording this part of the chapter, which is Sunday, I guess. So on Tuesday, I'm starting. I don't know when everybody else is starting, but I heard most people are starting, I guess, tomorrow then. But today for you, for most of you guys. Um, yeah. I just want to thank you for all the recent support. Um... And uh, everything else going on. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Hope you guys have a good time. And this chapter pieced together well. Otherwise, I'm probably going to be very mad and have to re-record it. And it's going to take like another three days for me to get it out. Not nice. Okay, I'm going to go play basketball now. Be active, children. Very good. Isaac.